And we're back for another episode of City of Champions. I'm your host, Shane Fennessy, and today my guest is Canadian gold medalist figure skater, Jamie Saleh. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, but Shane, I don't know the first thing about figure skating. If you're not, I don't either. But I have Jamie break it down for us beginners. Now, Jamie, along with her skating partner, David Pelche, are, were, always will be two of Canada's most adored Olympic athletes. Jamie has first place finishes in, I'm going to try and get through all of these, a world championship, two consecutive four continents championships, two consecutive Grand Prix finals, three consecutive Canadian championships, and of course, a gold medal at the 2002 Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. Now, in addition to being a fierce competitor, Jamie also happens to be one of the sweetest people I've had the pleasure of meeting. In the episode, we talk about competing at the highest level and not only the physical preparation, but the psychological coaching often required as well. Of course, we discuss the infamous 2002 gold medal controversy and the gong show that ensued for Jamie and David along with the Russian rivals. We also talk about life after skating, her work with the Special Olympics, and her greatest achievement to date, of course, motherhood. I had such a blast chatting with Jamie. Um, one hour wasn't nearly long enough, but I can confidently say part two is in the works. Now, enough rambling from me. Please enjoy my conversation with Jamie Saleh. All right, we're live, sitting here with Jamie Soleil. Do you still go by Soleil? Soleil. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me in your lovely home, sitting here with your dog, Cooper. Well, thanks for making it convenient for me. Hey, no problem. That's what I strive for. Um, as I've been researching you over the last couple weeks, um, I've discovered that an hour-long podcast is not nearly enough to talk about all the amazing oh, things no, you've no, done no, in no, your no. life. Life, no, it's... <laughs> It's boring. It's boring stories. Yeah. Well, I will let the uh, audience be the judge of that. So uh, let's start from the beginning. Let's start with the origin story. Okay. Who you were as a person, where you grew up, you know, what got you into skating. Let's go there. Okay. Well, I was born in Calgary. My parents, uh, both parents are from up north in Athabasca Mm -hmm. and um, they moved to Calgary for work. And my brother and I were both born there and I moved to Red Deer when I was one. Mm -hmm. So I don't really remember Calgary at all. Um, and, um, you know, I moved, end up staying in Red Deer until the end of grade nine. And that's where my skating career began mm-hmm. at a very young age, skating with my dad and my brother out in the outdoor rinks with my little bob skates. Yeah. Now I read that yeah. your mom, when you turned seven, made you decide between skating and gymnastics. Yes. Yeah, so what happened was at skating and can skate and then gymnastics, it's kind of the same thing where you're, you're learning how to, to do things. Mm-hmm. And they, my mom went to register me in the fall and they both said, well, we need, we'd like her to be in these certain lessons. And so she literally looked at me at the gym and said, you need to make a decision. You have to pick skating or, or gymnastics. And I said, I want to skate. And she said, no, we can go home and we can talk about this. And yeah. I said, no, I want to skate. <laughs> and I couldn't honestly tell you exactly what was on my mind or why I, I was so adamant about skating. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it was really just that I, I had more of, um, I was talking about when I, when I skated, I had freedom. I loved being artistic and I loved, not the word dancing kind of bugs me, but skating to music on ice right? or dancing on ice, right? And I lo- always lo- loved that and I used to pretend that other people's programs were my programs and I'd make up my own routines, their music. And so I think that's why I chose skating. It was just the music really um, was such a big part of my life. Right. So it was a little bit more creative, exactly. artistic than gymnastics. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think, you know, being 5'1", <laughs> I would have been okay in gymnastics yeah. too. You know, they're all, and I'm built like a gymnast, but I think, uh, yeah, definitely music had a big part of it. I know that there's music in gymnastics too, but yeah, I just felt free skating and, and maybe it's just the genetic part too that my dad played hockey and yeah. brother was hockey. and. Well, we're a Canadian people. Exactly. We're winter sports people. Skating, yeah. yeah. Do you ever, I mean, with your success, it's obviously difficult to think back on had things gone differently, but do you ever I think know. about what if I pursued gymnastics? You know what? No. I think injuries can be, well, they're always, they can be bad in anything, um, but I have to be really honest like I know I picked the right sport for the pro career oh yeah um, you know obviously you have a great pro career when you're a champion and you do well in, mm -hmm. in what you're doing but there's not a lot of sports that have a pro career after amateur you either go into coaching or right. public speaking whereas skating I was I had a vehicle you know that took us on the road for 10 years right so and I made a good living doing it yeah but that wasn't all part of the decision when you were seven that not, was just no, I love I love music I and love I love music, to move and I like movement and I loved my coach but it's amazing that that love of it and that decision carried you through for so many years I know I just you know what I I really loved it like mm -hmm. I I used to um count the hours or minutes even at the end of school when I could because I would walk over to the rink, I, you know, being in Red Deer, mm -hmm. I usually skated um, right by my school or it was a short drive, but I would be counting the minutes until I could be on the ice and I just loved it. Yeah, I don't remember ever, the only thing I didn't love was the the 5.30 wake-ups for 6 or 6, 6.30 patch is what we called it, the figures that we used to do, that was really yeah. boring and the rinks were cold at what that hour. What does that hour, mean, the 6.30 patch? Well, we used to go on the ice and do these figure eights. Just solid for an hour at a time well i was about 45 minutes and then we'd go into free skate yeah so that was the hardest part about being a little skater was mm -hmm. those cold early mornings and i think i only did that twice a week i do not miss that at all right and i'm i'm lucky that my kids haven't had to do that yet but um no like i just loved it i couldn't wait to get on the ice and i couldn't wait to practice my new jumps or whatever and just for me it was also about showing off yeah I loved when I had my mom there to watch or someone was there to watch and I would be like watch me watch me right I've always been into performing yeah so was it more the performance or the competition aspect I'd say more performance yeah but competing has always kind of been in my blood yeah. I like um, and it's not always of course we all like to win mm -hmm. we all want to win but there's some there's a thrill there's a there's a feeling that you get of um, a sense of accomplishment or even when you don't do as well I remember I've had such good role models in my life and people that coached me properly and said, you know, what did you learn from this competition coming 10th or 12th or 15th, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, what'd you learn from this? We, we didn't work quite hard enough on that part of your program, or maybe you've been, you know, taking it easy too much and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or whatever. And so it was all about learning experiences. Even when you do win, mm -hmm. you come back from a competition with a medal, how can I be better? Yeah. And that's what I was, I was always telling myself. What can I do differently? What can I? How can I be even better? Right. Well, yeah. The saying goes: you either win or you learn. Right. The only time you really losing. lose is when you consider yourself having lost. I agree. totally. I, I always say that when I speak. You know, you're only a loser if you choose to stay down when you fall. Yeah. But if you get back up and you learn from that, that's the best thing, and that's how we grow as individuals and as athletes. So then you grew up uh, in Red Deer, and then mm -hmm. you moved to. Did you come straight to Edmonton? I came to Edmonton for high school, so yeah. I went to Rush Up. Okay. And had a had a great three years in high school, three and a half actually. I had to do extra because mm -hmm. I went to the Olympics in right. grade eleven. Yeah, Lillehammer, Norway. Lillehammer, Norway. It was yeah. such an awesome Olympics, and I was sixteen. And was that just like 
overwhelming yeah. for you or did like the performer in you just think it was fantastic were you nervous so and actually the the best part about this was that the nationals for the for qualifying for that those games was here in edmonton oh so the hometown advantage hometown yeah. it was really fun and we came third which was great there were no expectations of us even being first or second that's when Brister and eisler were still competing so naturally they were gonna they were winning and they were gonna be going for a medal at the olympics so second was even a a bit of a like a far cry for that like it would have been almost impossible so third we were just happy to get that last spot so I went to the games with no pressure I was 16 years old totally like the second youngest Olympian there yeah and you're just happy to be took here. it all in. <laughs> like total Canadian just yeah. happy to be there yeah. That's, I, I always cringe when I hear Canadian athletes on TV going I'm just happy to be here I had a really good time I'm like come on just say you came to win just once come on so at that point, what was the discipline you're competing in? Was that Paris? That was Paris. Okay, so for my um, admittedly lack of knowledge That's of the okay. skating world and for the audiences, presumably, but we wanted this to be a teaching learning experience. Yeah. So explain sort of the main disciplines how and, and how they differ from one another. So I, everybody starts off with doing singles okay. and um, single skating. And then you learn how to skate. And then typically you sort of, you fall into it, mm -hmm. whether it's ice dance or pairs. Yeah. Or you continue on in singles. I actually did both for a long time. So I went to Lilyhammer as a pair skater, but which I started when I was 12 years old mm -hmm. with my first partner Jason. And then, um, but I, I continued it in singles still. Like, but I wasn't at the same level. So I was senior pairs to go to the Olympics. You have to be senior, which is the highest. Right. I think at that point I was still junior ladies. Yeah, and I came third actually in junior ladies here in Edmonton that year. Okay. So. I went to Junior Worlds, I think, after that, but um, not, I think, I know I did. <laughs> I know, I have a really bad memory. And you will, we we you can pull it that. all up online yeah, later. Yeah, pull up Wikipedia, it's not always right. <laughs> but, so I had a singles career until shortly um, after the Olympics, my partner and I ended up um, ending that partnership. Yeah. And I continued on doing singles for three years right. until I met David. Right. So David actually competed in singles and pairs for a long time at a at senior level. Okay. Um, so he was like far more experienced than you when you guys came together. Um. Ha. No. No. Not far more. I went to an Olympics and he had. <laughs> okay. So you'd reach a higher a world level. Championship. Yeah. Um, and he was actually alternate in in the men's event for worlds as well. Like mm -hmm. he he was a strong single skater, mm -hmm. um, but I went to Olympics. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> what'd you place at that Olympics? Uh, we were tenth or twelfth. Oh my gosh, we got to look that up too. <laughs> I think it was twelfth. Was it, it was no? It was tenth. Was it twelfth? You're right, and 12th. then sixteenth at worlds. Yeah. Yes. So okay, so what's the difference between pairs and ice dancing? Okay, so pairs. It's way more fun. <laughs> okay. That makes sense that you would say I, that. Yeah, I don't have a biased opinion at all. Yeah. No, so pairs for people that are watching, ice, okay, I'll start with ice dancing. It is literally ballroom dancing on the ice. They right. are allowed to do some pair things now. Mm -hmm. They do some spins together. They do some lifts. Mm -hmm. they, they have rules, though, that they can't put the girl completely over their head. Okay. Um, I'm not actually up on the rules, right. per se. But Does it change often, or is it pretty, like, traditional? I think it's general. I think it is pretty traditional, but mm -hmm. they have allowed some things that more things that they didn't allow when I skated. Okay. Like the rules have changed. The system changed after yeah. our Olympics. Yeah. Yes, it's our fault. No, it's not our fault. <laughs> we'll get but, to that. So I'm not really up on that, but um, whereas pair skating, it's all we do. We do individual stuff. We do big jumps. We mm -hmm. and we do throws and twists and lifts that cover the ice. Um, 
it, we do minimal ice dancing. They're always connected. Right. And it's all about their footwork mm-hmm. and the interest, intricacy between them and their feet and stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. Paris skating has more freedom. Um, you could put it side by side and you'd see a big difference. Right. Yeah. I've, I've watched both. More, th- and... more thrilling to watch pairs because yeah. of the exciting It's more technical, tricks. right? Like it's... Well, ice dance is very technical in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But for someone who's not a skating fan, they might find ice dance um, less appealing to watch only because it's not as exciting, it's not as thrilling, it's not as wow. Yeah. Um, But for figure skating fans, you can appreciate really good ice dance Mm -hmm. because like Virtue and Moyer, they're just, they're beautiful to watch. Right. Yeah. So (laughs) watching watching the pairs, watching you and and David, because those are the majority of the clips out there, it looks like you guys are so in sync that you could have almost done those routines with your eyes closed is that right yes that's how good i was <laughs> you know what actually it's funny you say that because when we first tried out i was so in shock or awe of how everything felt so easy we would literally do a side-by-side spin yeah. and it would be on um i remember when he picked me up in a lift i went oh my gosh you make me feel like i'm a feather and he, yeah. it was just so easy we did um a pair spin and we weren't like it wasn't like mumble jumble. It was mm-hmm. really simple and it, it felt natural. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time we competed even, he put his hand out without looking at me. Mm-hmm. He just kind of put his hand out and I did it at the same time and we, we, we nailed it like hand in hand. Perfect. And it just it just seemed like we were born to skate together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really did. The instant chemistry. Yes. But what I was wondering right. watching is that, so as do you have a, a move that's timed perfectly with the beat of the music? Yes. Or is there wiggle room? Like if you kind of fall behind, do you catch up? Like where, where's the... That's a good the, question. You know? That's a really good question. So um, we do choreograph our programs to certain beats of the music. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be misses. There's a fall or a slip or even um, you get a little bit behind, mm-hmm. whatever the reason is. Um, and we know where to catch up. Yeah. It's just a trained thing. Right. But you always know where you're supposed to be on the music. So if you do fall on a jump or something happens in a spin, you just try to do your best to, to get to that place where you know you need to be. Mm-hmm. Was there anything in particular that you struggled with in your career? Any particular move? Yes. I, especially for some reason, when I started skating with David, um, I moved to Montreal and I was we had a new coach for both of us. And for some reason, I kind of lost my confidence in jumping. I wasn't really the strongest jumper per se in singles, but I I never had this fear of it. And then when I moved to Montreal, they really focused on, our coach then really focused on the jumps for some reason. And when there was so much more other things for us to really be trying to perfect and Mm -hmm. and improve. And I, I just developed this fear of it. And then I started missing it more often. So when we were competing from the very beginning, I would always miss one jump or two jumps, and then the commentators would start talking about it. Well, gee, you know, and I, I remember going into my first jump, side by side jump in Nice Worlds, and I could hear the commentators talking. And I'm really? Like, Is that usual? That's that not usual. Them? And that was so me not being in the moment of mm-hmm. concentrating on what I was supposed to be doing, but um, I, I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget hearing their voices and thinking they must, oh, here, here comes the side-by-side triple jump and this has always been a problem for Jamie. Will she do it today? You know, and <laughs> and even when I was interviewed, yeah. they would always bring it up. Well, you know, at nationals, you miss, mm-hmm. you miss the side-by-side triple toad. Um, how is that work going for you now? And they right. always, they keep it in your head. Yeah. So I'd go home and I ended up going to a psychologist over it because right. I said, what is wrong with me? I've never 
I have never had a problem with jumping and now I have this major fear. So I had to do a lot of self-talk and, and, and work on that. And, and it was hard for David to understand because he always thought I was just this strong, mighty mouse that didn't have any problems. And I said, no, I actually legitimately have a fear right now and it's freaking me out and, um, it's consuming me and I'm literally paralyzed every day when I'm training. And if I want to fix, if we want to fix this and move on, we're going into the world championships here in Vancouver right before the Olympic games. And I don't want this to come back and haunt me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always tell people that like everybody's got fears in life, whether it's in your sport or your job. And I always say, you got to attack it. Don't ignore it and don't pretend it doesn't exist. There's nothing wrong with being afraid of things, Mm -hmm. but you got to work through it. Right. So things we want to do the least that are the most important for us to do, right? Comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, I agree. Work through stuff. And it's, it's not fun, but I will tell you, it pays off and man does it feel good like I remember getting to Vancouver and thinking you know what yeah everybody you know take it because you guys have all been (laughs) yeah you know saying oh we don't believe in her or you know she's not ever going to be a good jumper or something you know they just I just hear little I'd hear little comments here and there yeah it would bother me and then so we won Mm worlds and it wasn't flawless but it was better so what what strategies did you employ how did you how did you fix it like first of all, from the psychological standpoint, yeah. what what did you oh. start doing and implementing, and then technically training, what did you do? Did was it just repetition? It was hard. Like, it was hard because you know it, it's time management too. I mean, I had to work on my head, mm-hmm. but I but I literally had to go into my jumps on my free skate sessions where I work on my jumps by myself. I had to I had to literally out loud say when I'd have my negative thoughts, I had to out loud say stop, 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 and here I am with speed going into a jump and I'm yelling, not yelling, but stop, stop, stop. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell my coach, this is, this is what I have to do. This is what the psychologists want. I don't care if you guys think this is weird, but this is what I have to do. And I got to be honest, it really worked. It was a little bit out there for some people mm-hmm. watching me maybe, but it worked. And I just learned to shut off the negativity. Mm-hmm. And then I will say it took months. It wasn't quick. It took months of persevering through that uncomfortable period. And um, one day it just clicked and I remember landing a jump going oh my gosh I never had a negative thought going to that and then I said see and it's just it happens once and then you gain more confidence and then then really what did it though was coming back to Edmonton for the Olympic year when I was with my first my coach when I that I had here in Edmonton mm-hmm. and he was such a great technician but he also never focused on that jump that I kept missing or the jumps that I kept missing and he was like <laughs> This isn't a problem for you. So as soon as he said that to me, I didn't feel so scared too, right? Right. So I realized that it was the way I was also being talked to. And it wasn't so much that it was really negative. It just wasn't the right talk. Right. It wasn't reinforcing what I need to think about. It wasn't reinforcing that I'm, that's, you know, that I, I'm confident. And whereas it was like, okay, well, we got to do this over and over again so that you don't keep doing that. Right. So that's part of being a good coach is, is exactly. knowing what your what your athlete needs to hear. Yeah. Right. Because everyone reacts differently. Some people need that authoritative drill sergeant, like, sir, yes, sir, I'll do better next time. Yep. But some people need a like, oh, you'll get it next time. Well, and David works very differently. He mm-hmm. works with well well when he's mad and when his coach gets tough on him, mm-hmm. he he actually somehow gets fire in his butt and he, he he's fine. Whereas I crumble. 
Do you think that's a male versus female thing or is that just an individual thing? It could be. Yeah. It could be like the testosterone thing and that he's just, but I, I, I also know my son is actually more like me. He's more sensitive and mm-hmm. he, he needs the, he needs the positive reinforcement versus the, come on, yeah. you need to do this and let's go and get tough on him. Like he'll, he'll just, he'll kind of like, like whimper in a little bit. Like right. he feels a little more nervous when you get hard on him about stuff. Right. Whereas, you know, David's the opposite. Right. But I think that comes with age too, right? Yeah. As you get older and more experienced yeah, and have maybe. more success, then you're more confident. Then you have more of a base to kind of guard against that. I still need the <laughs> I still need the the rubbing on the shoulder. You're doing great, Jamie. You're doing yeah. great. I still need that. I'm not I'm not great with negativity or just toughness. Like I, I don't mind the coach saying to me, even at the end, I didn't mind saying like you know what? You're better than this. Right. You know you can do this. Like just the tough talk, mm-hmm. but I don't. I I can't handle the, just any kind of negative or aggressiveness. Right. So pattern interruption seemed like it was a really important part of overcoming that mental yeah. block. Yeah. Um, now when it came to various injuries, of which you had many, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, was was it when similar? Was, my injury? was it similar in in overcoming those? It's just like, look, I know my body's gonna heal, and I know I can do this. What was the strategy there? Well, I'll tell you my the hardest injury I ever had. It was it was right when I was doing singles, and I mean I've had many injuries. We've had many setbacks. I can talk about a couple of them, but the worst one for me was um, it was in the three years where I was just doing singles, and I was trying to stay seen. I was trying to be on the scene, which is at nationals, so that mm-hmm. I could find a new partner. And I'd I'd heard you know there's lots of there's a guy here, there's a guy there, there's a guy there, but. There was never, I, my coach and I said, like, I've already been to the Olympics. I don't need just a pair partner. I want to have a partner that can take me to the to the top. Right. So we were waiting for that, right? And in the meantime, between time, I was struggling at home and I wasn't happy doing singles. Um, you know, I had personal issues and family issues and which everybody does mm-hmm. in life. Um, but I struggled. Yeah. I was really struggling. And I had a trainer here in Edmonton named Jeff Cruchel who was my angel honestly like he he he's still in my life he's a very very good friend and he he um talks about it in in a book that he's written about an athlete and he doesn't mention my name and and it's amazing to read back because i'm like jeff that's really what it was because he was a part of that struggle he was the he's one of the reasons or he's actually one of the main people in my life that encouraged me to keep going he believed in me he saw potential He's like, I know she's capable, um, and he tried to work with me off ice. But I, I was just at one. The second year I didn't make it to nationals was the most devastating for me because now you've missed one year of not being seen. Everyone's gonna forget about you. And then I was even hearing like from coaches that were saying she should just quit and she's washed up now. And 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 people that are close to you, people that I trusted, and that was really hurtful. It was like having a knife in your heart, right? And and. I wasn't ready yet. I think I still had a little bit of that fire burning in my belly mm-hmm. and I, I just wanted more. I wasn't done yet. Yeah. So to hear people that, that were a part of my my life intimately coaching me or around me just day to day to hear that some people weren't believing in me was, was hard. But I Jeff was like, he was just my strength and he, he said to me after we had a meeting one day, I said, Jeff, I can't do this. Like I'm injured too much. Um, I've got a fr- stress fracture. I'm missing my second nationals. People aren't believing in me financially. I don't know if we can continue to to do this. And he, he went home and he said, I can't, you know, I talked to his wife and he came back to me the next day. He goes, I have a plan. 
And he literally got me back on the ice to make it to nationals the next year. And that was when I saw David. And I wasn't the best, Mm -hmm. but it was just, again, being seen and seeing David because I had already tried out with David in 1996. Yeah. And I quit with uh, Jason in 94. So um, not having that, the tryout was successful, but he, he ended up choosing someone else. And um, so that was really hard. So sitting back another year and a half was really hard. So when I saw him again at nationals and I said, Dave, um, we can't. And he wasn't in a great place either. And I said, we can't let this go anymore. Like, come on. Yeah. Like that tryout was so great. Can we please just do this again? And so the rest is history. But that that actual injury Mm -hmm. in in 90, that would have been in 97, I guess, was horrible. Mm -hmm. Horrible. But. Um, we had another major one when I first moved to Montreal. Well, two actually. David hurt his back skiing. We made it to nationals. We were so pumped. Brand new team together. He went skiing at Christmas <laughs> and hurt his back or snowboarding. Yeah, hurt his back. Oh boy. We we got we got through nationals, but and qualified for worlds. But mm-hmm. we couldn't go to worlds. His back was so bad. So that was pretty devastating as yeah. well. And then. Um, re, uh, rewinding a little bit when I first moved to Montreal and we started skiing together. Um, we were going so we were just on a roll so we were having fun and we were learning quickly and it was easy and it was amazing and next thing I knew every day I was getting this pain more and more pain in my Achilles tendon mm-hmm. I ended up having surgery oh, to remove yeah. some scar tissue that had built up in the back and I was off for three months so that was how we started mm-hmm. then we got on a roll again and then he hurt his back so, so a lot of highs and lows yeah, peaks like, and valleys big time and it was just like and I remember thinking after that first year going okay how can something so good just not be t- working out? Like, did I make the right decision? I mm-hmm. moved all the way to Montreal, away from my family. Is this going to be okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is, well, this, is this going to be what everyone thinks it should be? So we're, we, we're talking about a lot of kind of dark days right now, and, and there are a lot of bright days ahead, but I want to circle back to a couple of interesting things you said, okay. talking about the people close to you and coaches and, and loved ones who maybe recommended that you quit. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it was a lack of faith in you, or do you think it was more so that they just didn't want to see you hurt anymore? Not physically, yeah. but hurt from not being able to succeed or, or, or yeah. continually failing. Like, I think it was a pattern of what I was doing. I think they, they weren't seeing the effort maybe behind the scenes with Jeff Mm -hmm. or even like with my psychological work that I was trying to to do I was trying not to give up on myself and I hate the word trying because don't try you just do or you don't you do it or you don't but my effort was there like I was really wanting it badly but I was kind of stuck in a rut Mm -hmm. and I think for a lot of the people that might have thought that or said that it's just what they've seen mm-hmm. year after year coaching or being around athletes. And so it's like, you know what? You need to get on with your life, kid. Mm-hmm. And can you blame them? No, um, because maybe they did want the best for me. I've never, I've never approached anybody that has said it or I've heard that have said it and said, like, you know, that really hurt me. What, yeah. was, what was the purpose of that? I'm just speculating as to why they would say it. And right. I think it's just because... There's a lot of great skaters. I wasn't the best skater. I was just the one that hung in there. Yeah. So they've seen skaters that were better than me that even just kind of got stuck to in ruts and ended up retiring. But it's like, kid, you got to have a career now. You got to move on. Like yeah. you need something else. This isn't working out for you. It's that old hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard though, right? Hey, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm full of good ones like I that. I like that. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to touch on was your your first tryout with David where you guys obviously had chemistry yeah. right away. 
what is the relationship between skaters? Is it like, uh, you know, being siblings? Is it like a marriage? Is it like being teammates? Is it like being best friends? Is it a combination of all of them? I think it. I think at some point, like depending on your personalities, there's there's a little bit of everything in there. Um, when I first met him, I, I really thought he was a great guy. He he's known in skating as the a funny guy, and I mean he has a bit of a. He's, you yeah. said he's known as a funny guy, but you well, didn't I, say he's funny. So well, do you think he's funny? Actually, he does have a funny side. You, if you know Dave, he most people see him as a very serious person, and he's he's not as social as I am, so he, he comes across more shy or quiet right. or however you perceive that. Um, but when you know him, he can be very funny. Um, other, well, we don't need to talk about Dave. This is <laughs> but a I want to talk about the, chemis- sitting here. the chemistry no, here. So, between no, the- but in skating, when, when we were younger, it was just like... Dave was always the funny guy at competitions and he'd come out during the uh, parade of champions and he'd always like do something goofy and so he made everyone laugh all the time mm-hmm. so I remember when I first started skating with him or even in the first tryout that we had I, I was like oh this, he's so fun and he was he always used to sing songs to like make light of things and but then I also saw him like get mad and yeah. kick the ice or kick the boards or whatever and that was like woo, where did that come from but he's definitely I will say more moody than I am mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> and there was a lot of jokes that went yeah. back and forth with that. But um, he is French. Mm-hmm. I guess I am too. Pas- I passionate people. He's really French though. I'm yeah. not. Yes, very passionate. Mm-hmm. Expressive. Right. So but, it's great um, that he was able to make it fun because yeah. at the end of the day, if you've had a good day or a bad day, if you're having fun, right? Like yeah. that keeps you going. Yeah. And, and in the beginning too, um, when you're learning, it's still fun. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, nothing really came hard for us. It got hard. What got hard was trying to be the best but when we were first coming together nothing felt hard like mm-hmm. I said the lifts felt easy the spins were on um, obviously I struggled started to struggle with my jumps but um, again he tried to make light of those days for me when I was struggling and he tried he mm-hmm. was you know again under trying to understand what I was going through wasn't his norm he, yeah. it wasn't something he was familiar with so yeah but uh, he handled it the best he could and I'd say in general we had a lot of fun we told a lot of jokes and yeah yeah, <clears throat> is it tough? Um, there's so much pressure to hold yourself accountable, but also you know you have to be accountable to your teammate. It's not like a, a mm-hmm. hockey team where there's five guys or six guys with the goalie on the ice. Exactly. Where if one guy screws up, there's you know, the other guys to cover. Like if your partner screws up in skating, it kind of brings you both down, right? Well, and I think that was really hard for Dave because he seriously was always pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. Like literally every day we trained, he never missed anything. He never missed a jump. He never missed a spin. He hardly ever missed in competition. I think he missed, I don't even know if he actually missed a jump ever in competition. We missed a lift once, but um, I would miss a throw, like fall on a throw or step out of a throw or I single a triple or or a double jump. It was always me that missed. Right. So it kind of like made me mad because mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you so perfect all the time? Right. Like, why don't you make mistakes? And even in training, I hated it. And it just, it, it put so much more focus on me. But what was so great about it too was that I could rely on him. He right. was so solid yeah. as a as a pair skater, but also as a single skater. So yeah. I never worried about Dave. Right. Um, but it just made more. It brought more attention on me. Yeah, of course. Do you think it pushed you to to be better? Be better? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I'm like I don't want the spotlight on me anymore. Yeah. And, and um, <laughs> even though pair skating is kind of about the girl, yeah. in that sense that everyone's watching what she's doing and right. your positions in the air and. Mm-hmm. about the, the beauty of the team right but no I yeah he definitely pushed me and that's actually a really good comment because um, I guess I never really saw it like that but I the competitiveness there would have 
definitely existed that right. I wanted to be like Dave and I wanted to so you're not even you're not only competing with your, with your <laughs> yeah. opponent your, your competition yeah, you're competing partner. against each other did he was there ever a time where he screwed something up and you weren't mad you were just kind of like huh it's about time you screwed one up oh for sure and when he <laughs> if he ever screwed up when he did yeah let him have it. Hey? Oh, what was I that? Was like, I love it. I just love it. Mm -hmm. But he would get so mad. He was really hard on himself when he'd miss something. And mm -hmm. when that was, I, I got to be like trying to think back to training even. Like he just never missed. Yeah. And if we messed up on a, a pairs element, yeah, he'd get mad or whatever. But I, you know, I just, we get, we get through it because yeah. it's just repetition, right? Just keep working on yeah. it. But, move, move on. But going yeah. back to the relationships, you know, you start off as friends and, and then, um, you know, obviously we became a couple, but mm -hmm. he was my best friend. Like I really loved being around Dave and at the time, and he was so, um, we just had a lot in common. And like you talked about the chemistry too, right? Yeah. Like it was definitely there from the beginning as a pair. And yeah, we just had a lot in common. So yeah. it was a natural occurring thing for us to become a couple. So let's talk the flip side of the partnership, your yeah. teammate. Let's talk about the competition. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to butcher these guys' names. Uh, Sigurlitsi? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, I want to hear it. Bereznaya and... Bereznaya and Sigurlitsi. Bereznaya and... Yeah, you, you said it right. There I'll, you go. I'll, we'll let that go. <laughs> Just so, say the Russians. <laughs> how, the Russians, exactly. Yeah, the go. dreaded Russians. Yeah. Um, and who had quite the run at the Olympics, yes. right? 40 years or so. Yeah, it was 42 years. 42. Well, Canada hadn't won a gold in 42 years at, at Paris skating. Yeah. So what was the relationship like there? Did you guys ever converse off the ice? Or was it like really... Big like rivals. remnants of the Iron Curtain, like we don't even talk to them, we don't look at them. Well, it's funny because we would, you know, you see each other in the hotel um, during meals and you'd see them at the rink. We were never on with Russia because they always grouped everybody by country. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Canada and Russia are really far apart, so we were never on the ice with them. I don't remember really practicing with them until um, when you get... To worlds maybe the last they, they put the last four pairs that are in the last group um, going for top four mm -hmm. they would put them together and that was maybe the only time we ever really skated with them okay. so and even in the dressing room they always had a coach the Elena did she'd have her coach with her and they'd be talking and so there was no engaging of a conversation going on with us I always wanted it <laughs> I never understood why girls don't talk in the dressing room um, so you'd be in the same dressing room, yes. but, but not talking to one another. Yeah, and Whoa, the odd time intense. I would get, and the guys, like, I would always joke with the guys because I'm more of a guy's girl that way, and I'm, I love sitting with guys and talking about sports and yeah. stuff. So I would, I would hear how they're in the dressing room talking about hockey or they're talking about whatever, and I'd be like, why can't the girls do this? Like, mm -hmm. we just sit in the, no one talks, it's like so intense, and they all have to have their coaches in there, and my coach was male, so he never was in there, and it, I don't know, and I'm I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe for me talking to somebody is intimidating. Like I I don't know why no none of the women talk. Yeah. But it's like catty even like especially in the ladies event like. That's so interesting like, that they would so you and your partner wouldn't be in the same dressing room. No, ever, because we're changing, right? I guess. I know. But you're like best friends, whether you're a couple or not a no. couple. Anyway. No, it's men's dressing room and the women's dressing room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever try and engage them at all? Did they speak English? They're the odd skater. Like it depended on who was there. If there was, it was an American mm -hmm. or another Canadian team, yeah. then yes, there was definitely conversation. But if it was Russia or China, they mm -hmm. don't even speak English. <laughs> um, the Russians... Sometimes, it, not even Elena and Anton only, but some other Russians would pretend they don't speak English. Mm -hmm. 
or maybe they just didn't want to talk to you. I don't know. So it was just not, it wasn't super friendly. Right. And it wasn't even that they were, they were disrespectful with their body language too. It was, mm -hmm. it wasn't that at all. It was just that nobody really talked. Right. And then you could just feel the competitive, like the intense competitiveness on the ice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even like, I remember, I remember even with past Canadians, like, that didn't want you to succeed and they would purposefully get in your way when it was your turn to do your program like your music would be on and they like they know your jumps right there and they go and like do an element there and you're going are you kidding me right so that kind it's of kind of like skating happen. onto the other uh, the other team's side in hockey in the warm-up totally that kind of thing that's a great well, a little bit of gamesmanship right did you yes. ever employ any of those tactics i didn't like doing that right because i just felt like that's disrespectful and I didn't want to yeah. anyone just to get focused mad at on me. yourself you got enough to focus on in your yeah. own game right you don't need to think about their stuff mm -hmm. so then walk us through your account of 2002 from from the metal skate mm -hmm. all the you know the warm-up the crash didn't the light go out as well like holy you've really done your homework okay so <laughs> that was the short program and we were backstage warming up and we were in this small space, probably uh, 20 feet by 20 feet. Like it wasn't very big. Mm -hmm. And we always do some lifts and then we'll do kind of walk through our jumps, we'll walk through our programs. And it's all just dry land? Dry land yeah. stuff, yep. And um, they always have lighting put up in the ceilings or around the warm up areas so that when cameras are there, they can light that area to, to show everybody. And I remember warming up for the short program and we were towards um, the end of the pairs event and we could hear music like somebody was skating and we're just jumping around right in our spot and all of a sudden our light above us mm -hmm. like blew up. And I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. Someone had to break open the fire distinguisher, mm -hmm. you know, those, the glass, they yeah. had to break it open and like it was a huge scene and they're trying to blow the fire out and here like we were right underneath it so this I'm is skating. right before you go to yes. change to start skating yes right before we go put our skates on and i thought to myself oh my gosh is that a sign of bad luck like we were right underneath <laughs> it and what is this telling me right was that before the short or the long short okay yeah but i was so mentally ready that yeah. I, I had to get that out of my head and just say no you're this isn't this is not a sign does it almost, You're good. do you think it almost helps in a way to have that, it goes back to pat, pattern interruption, right? Yeah. You're thinking and you're psyching yourself out so much and then all of a sudden, boom, something happens and you're no longer focusing on Maybe. will I, won't I. Maybe you're right. Yeah. But I also remember being really scared of it. I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this is like not a good thing. Right. And it was a scene. Like mm -hmm. there was a lot of people that came around, and I'm sure I'm sure the skaters even heard it on the ice. Like it was a really big scene. And that was like after 9/11, so everyone's just yes. a little on edge about everything. You're exactly right, and even the arena wasn't quite full with the mm -hmm. audience because the security was so high outside mm -hmm. that it took so long for everyone to get into the arena. Right. Um, yeah, but that's interesting that you go back to that that patterning. That might be it. That might have even helped me without realizing it. But then, how how was the short? Program. We ended up skating a, a really great short program, um, probably one of our best of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, but we fell in our, our ending position. Right. Which was fine. But, yeah. It was funny. Yeah. Dave was a little mad about it because he needs to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so it didn't cost you though? Well, we don't think it cost us, but I mean, we, we were second. Yeah. Which I always prefer to be the one chasing. I don't like being chased. Okay. Fair so enough. So I thought second was the perfect spot going into the long program. You know, we're right where we want to be. We're not far off point wise. Like 
it's not like they they were way ahead of us first yeah. like by the with the marks because it was the old system the 6.0 system mm -hmm. and it's not like we had way lesser marks because of the the ending you don't get deducted for a, a fall on the on your ending position right um but being in second for us was perfect so yeah then we went into long program just feeling really confident and ready and mm -hmm. and you went back to your old faithful love yeah, story we went back to love story which was like an old sweater and a year prior to that we had four continents in that same arena and mm -hmm. we had skated a really great skate and i right. remember thinking well we got this just like, repetition yeah. everything feels the same yeah right? yeah until the warm-up <laughs> yes until the that warm-up oh my gosh like i can't even tell you how embarrassing it is to even talk about it or embarrassed how embarrassed i was when it happened because mm -hmm. You know, we always have, even as skaters, we've looked at other ice dancers, for example, they often, because they're so intertwined, they've had collisions because mm -hmm. they're so into each other and what they're doing and maneuvering right. and all of a sudden, boom, they hit another team and it happens. Yeah. But with with pair skating, you're, you have so much more speed and you're hand in hand mostly and, and gathering a lot of speed. How can you hit someone? Like, yeah. So what happened exactly? Well, so I'm on the warm up, and Dave and I finished everything we needed to do. Mm -hmm. And every time we're on the ice for a warm up. When we hear one minute remaining, I tell him, I'm going to go do a double toe loop. Mm -hmm. I'm, but I always do it on the opposite side of where our actual triple is in our program. But I need to do a good double to feel good about going into my program for the triple. It's just my routine. And Dave would skate around and just kind of whatever with his blinders on and just focus. So he, I went around and one end of the rink and I saw the Russians coming the other opposite way. But typically when they're ga gaining the speed that they were gaining, they would come diagonally down the ice and do a triple twist mm -hmm. or a lift or whatever. But they their pattern changed and I started doing some footwork mm -hmm. going into my double toe and I purposefully went closer to the judge's um, side so that they could do their diagonal line. Right. Well, they didn't go on the diagonal line. They did an S pattern. So, and which I didn't know they were going into a throw. Because mm -hmm. at one point, at one minute remaining, I never, I don't think anybody's really doing anything big at that point, right. but they were still going into their throw. So they did an S pattern and I met them on the blue line and I turned forward from my footwork Yeah. and I collided right with Anton, oh. like full speed. They were full speed and watching the video is pretty traumatizing still. Like, it's like, are you kidding me? And I remember the next day I felt like my whole left side was like I ran into a brick wall. Yeah. Um, but we're so lucky, like both of us, all all of us actually, all, well, three of us that collided, that nothing major happened. Like they could have had their their legs up in the air, and I could have had a blade right in the. Yeah, I saw you in half. Seriously. Yeah. Or in the neck. Yeah. Like anything. And hockey players crash accidentally all the time, and like are out yeah. with concussions or broken this. You guys don't even have any gear on. No. Not even a helmet. Nothing. And you're going f as fast, if not faster, than some of these players. Well. Yeah, because we're trying to gain so much speed to have momentum to, to execute whatever mm -hmm. element we're going into. Yeah. And maybe not faster, but yeah, I would say in, in, well, those, in that some of those old. Yeah, for sure. Unless you're on a breakaway, right? right. But in general, yes. And um, it knocked the wind right out of me. So I remember being really frightened when I got yeah. off the ice. Like, how yeah. am I going to skate? Like, this is actually really, I can't breathe very well. My side started to hurt. Did you feel it? So you felt it? I Adrenaline did. didn't take over and you're like, oh, I'm fine. No, I got off and my yeah. side hurt. Yeah. Not like to the point where I'm like, I need help. Mm -hmm. My coach, our coach looked at all the team and uh, the the the, uh, the medical team and said, she's fine. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't bleeding. 
I wasn't just um I definitely was, shaken up. I was definitely shaken yeah. up, but I was still breathing. I just had the wind knocked out of me on the ice. And you can see that Anton and Dave are over me and there's a couple pictures that I've seen. Um and I'm just trying to like get my breath. I'm like sitting there gathering myself but by the time I got off the ice got my guards on and we we went to our spot where we waited to skate because we were third Mm -hmm. the Russians were second I had time so everything kind of happened like I I hate to say it didn't happen for a reason but when I got off it was it was a good thing that we were third right because I think if I was first I I don't know if I would have gathered myself very well right i I think you might have. I, I think with that <laughs> pattern interruption, I think I think you would have just been like, "There's, we came this far. There's no way we're not doing this," and you would have just snapped to it. I'm sure David would have had the same reaction too, and and really helped you gain that confidence back. But well, it's funny, but Dave Dave really didn't respond. He 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 looked at me and he's, he he saw that I was okay mm-hmm. enough to be, you know, Jan, our coach Jan took over and mm-hmm. he just sat there. He untied his skates and he didn't really say anything to me. Yeah, because he was probably so worried. He was probably, probably scared that you were going to be done and then everything was going to be done. Or I think Dave just knew he trusted. Yeah. He trusted that, yeah, okay, she's she's a little hurt now. That, that scared all of us. Mm-hmm. But she's breathing. She's okay. Let's focus. And I think Dave's just such a good focuser. He's always been good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, my coach was really good at helping distract me. Like you talk about the pattern thing. It, it, my coach was really good about just talking to me about life. Mm-hmm. And I would take, it would take my brain off of okay, you know, I'm going into the most important competition of my life here, mm-hmm. and everything matters. And like he would start talking to me about what's happening at home. Right. And and, and that, that worked for you. That worked for me. Okay, just get your mind off. Yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. So you guys won. Well, you didn't win right away. So yeah. Explain well, explain fun. how that all went down in your mind. You thought you won after you skated that brilliantly clean long program. Yeah, okay. and. Um, you know, we, we thought for sure because we knew the Russians had made a mistake, at mm-hmm. least one. Um, and then we just, we thought, okay, well, it's always been so close. Mm-hmm. We've always been rivals and it was always a matter of a mistake or, or two. And sometimes it was their turn to win and sometimes it was ours. And they were hard to beat. The Russians, I'm not going to liars. Like, they, they were amazing and very just so so naturally talented mm-hmm. um, they made everything look so effortless and I always aspired to be like them but I'm like I'm not them I don't have their style of skating uh, but so we just had to work so much harder to be to do other things better do you think they looked at you and thought the same thing no. though no <laughs> I don't think so. that damn Canadian girl Ru- can't control herself <laughs> ask any Russian if they want to be like a Canadian no, I'm just kidding but I think I think, I mean, just historically, the Russians have always been so amazing mm-hmm. and um, and beautiful. Like their 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 style is is very beautiful. Right, it flows everything yeah. from their hockey to their skating to exactly. all sorts of sports. Right, exactly. So we knew they'd made a mistake. So when the when the first marks came up and we saw that we had beat them technically, mm-hmm. then we thought we did it. And so that's when we see the reaction and faces in our hands we're going oh my gosh we did it and then all of a sudden artistic impression comes up and we're like what and then the ordinal number two comes up that means the result and we were just a bit in shock and we mm-hmm. looked i looked at my coach and i said it's gonna switch right like <laughs> we got this we got we? this yeah. so it's gonna go to number one soon no that doesn't happen jamie yeah and um and you know we 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 sat there and held our composure and and, and just tried to be like Wow, but it was more. We were more in shock sitting yeah. in. The, I hate this name, the kiss and cry, but that's what they call it. And 
we got as soon as we left that area and we went backstage of course you're faced you're facing the media and mm-hmm. i remember just breaking down going like how has this happened right what's well, such a such a break from a con- like incongruency right like yeah. you guys felt like in your gut you knew like that instant like that it's the same it's the same systems that you knew when you were 7 that you wanted to skate you knew that you had won so when something defies that yeah. you're like what is going on you struggle yeah. to make make a it connection didn't make sense. There. yeah it didn't make it sense it did not make sense and we're going they have completely fixed this like mm-hmm. they they the russians clearly made a mistake and then we started hearing from other people that they were really just they weren't totally on they they fell he fell out of his jump and her throws were a little um yeah. had you seen their program i hadn't oh, okay we heard the audience reacting yeah. and then even afterwards like normally you know they'd have a standing ovation or it would just be it, we wouldn't hear a peep the whole right. time except applause but we heard like ooh, and, and is that because you didn't want to watch or because you weren't allowed to you don't want to watch right okay. i'm not this competitor that could watch yeah. because again you can hear it anyway you hear the music you hear the crowd reaction mm-hmm. but it's really about focusing on what your job is backstage and right. and trying to just stay in, in tune with yourself but mm-hmm. yeah and then we started hearing hearing things and next thing i know um you know we're at the canada house and everybody's talking about this controversy and cbc was and when we did our skate of like they after you get your medals they, they make us do um, a lap around the rink and everything mm-hmm. and make C- us do not get to us. do well, they, for <laughs> pictures yeah yeah you skate around now and pretend you're happy yeah no and so because i felt like the hardest part for me was that i had visualized standing on the podium singing oh canada with everyone back at home yeah. for the whole year leading up Yes, I visualized the perfect skate, but I visualized seeing our flag and having it in the middle and singing O Canada. So if people talk about being robbed, like mm-hmm. that we were robbed of that, I, I robbed of the medal, I go, no, you know what I was robbed of? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that moment. Yeah. Because as a Canadian, we're so not um, outwardly patriotic. Mm-hmm. I think we, we are because we get really behind our athletes, especially during the Olympics, and we support it. We love being Canadian, but we're not like raw, raw, raw and loud and obnoxious. Yeah. But that is really special for a lot of Canadians, and we all get emotional when we see a Canadian on the podium and, like winning a gold. Yeah, because that's the one time we're kind of allowed to just allowed break to. free, right? When it comes exactly. to sports, exactly. And and you know, truthfully, we're not there a lot, right? Yeah. Like, and we're a, a lot smaller country, so it's a lot harder for us. But um, I mean, speaking for skating, especially, we're not there hardly ever, except on a Grand Prix. Forty-two circuit. years. Forty-two <laughs> years. So. If I talk, if any, if there was a, a moment or anything that was robbed of, it was mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. And I don't care about the color of the medal per se. I mean, of course, it's nice to have the gold medal now, but it's that it's that memory that I wanted. Yeah. And that feeling. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's been there can can relate that yeah. feeling of, of standing there and like, you know, just just ah. Oh. Did you see any parallels so, to um, to this most recent Oscars with La La Land and Moonlight? Oh my gosh! Did you did you see that? Oh my gosh! Did you think back to your moment when you I saw did it, that? I did it, but that's actually really interesting. You just said that, like, yeah, you know what? How similar was that? Right. Oops, we've made a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. You guys can come up now. Oh, you actually awful. won. So what happened that night after our long program was the French judge that was on our panel. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very convoluted story. It goes it goes so much further than any of us even really need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, there was so many more. Um, there's so many more layers of really negative involvement that we had no idea about with mafia and stuff like this. So there was a bit of a trade-off, and I'll, I'll, I'll just give you Cole's notes. 
trade-off with the ice dance and the pairs. So ice dance, they wanted the French team to win. In the pairs, they wanted the Russian to win. Mm-hmm. And it was a fix. Yeah. And But they didn't have a Russian judge in the in the ice dance. Or sorry, in the pairs. So they used the Russian or the French judge right. to vote for the Russian. When you say get, they wanted to, who wanted them? Well, again, it's it was this group of... They, this group they got together and said we're all going to vote for the Russians we're all going right. to put the Russians first right was that a Russian contingent or was that yeah Russian French um, it was like a I'll scratch your back if you yep. or, yeah that's exactly what yeah. it was and then so in the ice dance they had a Russian judge yeah. I believe I can't remember exactly the logistics but it was just a trade off yeah. so what happened was our Canadian judge he knew that this was happening going into the Olympics but he chose not to say anything she told him at the Grand Prix final before we went to Olympics that she was being told to vote for the Russians but because she loved the Canadians and she loved him he was French everyone loved you guys right <laughs> well but she, she yeah, thank you but she she loved he was French Canadian mm-hmm. and she really loved him yeah. and I mean not that way but she thought he was a great guy and she liked Canadians in general and she used to say like your team is so great and, and everything but I'm, I'm, I feel terrible and she she actually confessed yeah she couldn't um, bear it. Well, probably with liquid courage in her too, but uh, oh, really? well, at the judges of some kind of judges yeah. uh, gala. But mm-hmm. anyway, so she does this, and he's like, "What?" So he goes into the Olympics, knowing he's got to keep his mouth shut because if he if he talks, they're going to make sure he's not on the panel. Right. He never said anything. This whole thing went down. He makes her. She tries to leave after mm-hmm. the, for the medal ceremony. He grabs her by the arm. And he says, you sit down and watch what you just did. Yeah. So he made her sit there and she sits, she's sitting there like really perched and right. kind of upright. And I yeah. remember seeing videos of her and you could, I'm sure it was so uncomfortable, but she left after the whole thing was done, went back to the hotel and her colleagues, some colleagues were sitting there going, what did you guys do? Mm-hmm. And I guess she just totally confessed. Yeah. And then that's how it all happened. So the next day, right away, and like you had Rosie O'Donnell who wouldn't take off the Canadian Guard because I want the Canadians to get this medal. Mm-hmm. You had Larry King talking about us. You had Jerry, Jay Leno. We, had, we were on his show twice. Um, Time Magazine. Everybody was talking about it. It was everywhere. We couldn't go anywhere in Salt Lake. Um, Americans were wearing Canadian Garb. It yeah. was crazy. And what were you thinking all this time? Like, did you know that there was a controversy? Well, yet? we had heard, we'd already heard because yeah. CBC French had told Dave when we were doing that, when they yeah. make us skate around, yeah. they had told Dave that there was something going on with the judging. Like, they, there was a scandal. Right. So we got word of it instantly. So then, days later, it took six days, and we were basically told, um, yeah, meet us back at the at the village, the athletes' village, with your medals, and there'll be someone there to pick them up, and you guys are going to be awarded a gold medal, and there's going to be a ceremony at the arena, and it was all for television. Yeah, it wasn't at all how of David course. and I would let's have. redeem ourselves. Yeah. So let's give them the celebration. No judges. Day. Yeah, not bringing them back in. Mm-hmm. It was more, and the and of course the Chinese didn't want to be there. Like how awkward is this? So they so, got they got bumped up to silver. No, they, they nobody ended up getting a silver. <laughs> so you just swapped yours for gold. Yeah. Did they have to go make extras, or did they? They keep would have a made couple? an extra yeah. an extra set for sure. But that night was really really uncomfortable because not only were the Russians not impressed with what was going on. I mean, can you blame them? No, I guess. But we weren't being whiners about it. We mm-hmm. weren't complaining. We were, you know, they would. Ha- we had to do a media. Mm-hmm. Um, in- we had to do media interviews every single day, and we would just sit there and make light of it. Yeah. And we were, Davey Boone would say, ah, you know, like he'd make jokes. And 
Um, then when we were told we we're getting a gold medal, he's like, "Oh, we just, you know, we just need a bronze now to get the set." Like, we were just trying to make light of it, and the, the Russians weren't impressed with that, and it was really too bad. Yeah. And you know, next thing we knew, though, we signed a four-year deal with Stars on Ice with with them. Oh no way! So it was like, not that we we were never we were rivals, but mm. we were never enemies. Right. We respected them. We we actually I I loved their skating, mm. but. We just didn't have a friendship. So now it's like you now need to be intimately touring together. Intimate meaning on a bus, in the dressing room, yeah. full time. You're, like you're living now. together for, yeah. Three, yeah. for three months straight. You're doing 64, actually we did 84, I think, cities. In one total. year? No, in four months. In four months? Yeah, four and a half months. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot. So we got we got quite close. And you know what? They're, they were great, a great couple. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I learned that Anton was actually quite funny as well. And so you got to know them after that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, but at the Olympics, it was tough, and I, I think it was just, you know, we we ruined the plan. Like we ruined the the way things were supposed to be executed, yeah. and we weren't maybe we weren't supposed to skate so well, and and mm. I they weren't supposed to make any mistakes, and right. that's the biggest thing. If they would have been perfect, everything would have been right. not talked about. But you know what? It's interesting when it's the right thing that always seems to win out, you know, and you didn't need to say anything. You didn't need to whine about it because no. everyone knew that the what the right thing was to do. So everyone championed your cause, right? Yeah. And I think I think in general, you know, there are athletes, though, that when they're when they don't get what they deserve or whatever, that sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll cry about it yeah. or they'll say, you know, I, I got robbed or this isn't fair. Like some athletes mm-hmm. have historically spoken out about mm. that it's hard not to it's because it's all about owning it right you have to be responsible and take ownership and you do you do but at that point we're going well we came here to do our job and we did it mm-hmm. so so we have a silver medal and, and dave's mom said you know what it's not silver it's platinum <laughs> well guess what happened we said that in an interview and four days later we have a platinum medal delivered to our rooms each of us like yeah. a real platinum medal a small one yeah but like worth a fortune <laughs> And so someone sent that as like condolences. Yes. That's amazing. So anything we talked about, yeah. we literally get sent to us. It was so mm. funny. I'm like, well, I really like Mercedes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I wish we would have won Mercedes instead. So the skate, how, again, this comes back to the performing versus competing. How mm-hmm. different was that skate uh, Stars on Ice touring versus oh the competing? Was it more relaxed? Was it more enjoyable? Or was it less so because it wasn't that competition aspect? Well, there's still a bit of a competition aspect because we expect a lot of ourselves as professionals and we always wanted to be better. You know, it wasn't that we we fell into a comfort place of, ah, we're pros now and we can just coast through this and collect our paychecks every, you know, every month or whatever. It was about how how we can keep improving. We were only amateurs for four years and we felt so... Um, fortunate that we had had the amateur career we did and had the story now behind us mm-hmm. to um, you know allow us to have such a successful you know touring gig right. with Stars on Ice. I mean, right. this was a tour that we we had dreamt about being with our whole lives, and here we are with skaters like Christy Amaguchi and Kurt Browning and Scott Hamilton was a yeah. part of it for a bit, and like Katarina Vitt. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. It was so cool. And, um, but it, I think it was just, it wasn't about being comfortable. It was about competitive. And I remember Dave, even, we had three throws every night in the show, one in each program and one in the opening. And it was a big deal if mm-hmm. we missed one. Oh, okay. And when we started missing, it was like, what's wrong with us? 
Like that's where the competitiveness was still there. And right. of course the Russians were there. So it was like, well, our applause was louder than theirs tonight. You know, like I want to be better. I want yeah. have a better program. I'm, I want, you know, I just, it didn't, it wasn't even that it was malicious. It was mm-hmm. just that I want, I want to be better. Mm-hmm. Well, really high end athletes, I think no matter what they end up going into, always have that competitive drive, whether it's yeah. a new sport or just a new aspect of your sport, yeah. you know, even if it's, you know, card games or, or bowling down the line or tennis. I know we have some pretty intense family tennis matches out at the lake. Yes, you do. Nobody wants yes, to lose. You do. Uh, it's, a, it's ingrained in yeah, us, right? That absolutely. It's ingrained in, in the fabric of sport and it's ingrained in us and yeah. it never really goes away. So when you stopped skating, was what have you found that has kind of replaced that competition? You know, what, what have you substituted that, that for in your life? You know what, Shane? I don't think I'll ever replace it mm-hmm. um, I'm a mom of two kids now and um, it's not about an applause anymore and it's not about how I mean of course I'm always wanted to be a better person but you know life throws us curveballs sometimes and it's how you react to things so I guess I can see it like you know how how well am I handling things in my life but it, it's not about being competitive anymore mm-hmm. um, and, it, and I'm 40 now, so it's really hard. I go into the gym, for example, and I want to do the things that I used to do without pain or or without being out of breath, but I just can't. And so I've literally had to talk myself. Of, it's not about that you're not as good. It's just that you have to accept that you're getting older right. and that you, are not, you aren't capable physically of being the competitor you were. Your best is going to be this today. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's about just setting different kind of goals. Yeah. I'm 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 kind of in a in in between right now too because I really want to have something else. I I do have other things that I do, but I'm full time mom. Obviously, I wanted to be at home with the kids until they're at least in full day school. But I do want something else. I've always said to Craig that it's I need that for myself. I think I'm a better person when I have goals and I'm focused on something. I think everyone is. I think yeah. so. Um, I, that's all I know yeah. too is to have something to work towards to you know to be successful at but will i ever feel that that same level again mm-hmm. probably not um i i love being a mom i've always wanted to be a mom so i'm so happy right now being that right just and enjoying the moment i am enjoying super it important. yeah and it's gone like this i yeah. mean my son's 10 already and it feels like just you know a few years ago that we were touring with him as a baby mm-hmm. but um i don't think i'll ever feel what i felt as a as, as an athlete but yeah. Is that important? I don't think so. It's just different. It's just different. So, I mean, you're 40. Your life isn't even half over, and you've already accomplished so much. What goals are you oh, striving towards in the future? Like, do you know what that thing is yet, that, that other thing? Or are you still kind of searching while you're doing the mom thing? I think I'm, I think I'm always always going to be searching. Mm-hmm. But, I, but while I'm in the moment, I'm trying to do things that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'm involved with is Special Olympics. Um, ever since I was a little girl, I used to have a thing for people with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. and I was always gravitated to them. And not in, it wasn't because they were weird or different or like, but I just found them unique and special, mm-hmm. and tried to figure them out even at times. And I would, I don't know why, I just always wanted to. I told my mom I was going to work with people with Down syndrome when I was a kid, and here I am as a as an adult working with Special Olympics. I'm on the national board. I was on the Alberta board for three years and I'm just, I love it. Mm-hmm. It fills up my bucket. Every time I'm around these athletes, they bring me back to being that seven-year-old when it was really 
really only about the pure love of sport. Right. You know, it wasn't about like, okay, now the, the consequences or the, you know, what happens if you don't win. It was just about, I love this. Mm-hmm. And they're so appreciative for the little things in life that really do matter. So they bring me back. They kind of keep everybody grounded. Right. right yeah, like, I'm sure. Stop Appreciative. sweating the small things. Yeah. You know, and, or don't cry over things that won't cry over you. Yeah. And so right now, that is my biggest, um, the biggest passion that I'm involved with. I, I do have other things that I get invited to, whether it's public speaking or hosting events. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that enough right now. Yeah. Um, but yes, maybe you can help me. <laughs> well, I, I'm. A, I think most people know I'm a big advocate of, of chasing what makes you happy and Absolutely. and what you're curious. A, a good a good friend and a guest of mine, Kayler Betts, said, "Don't pursue your passion. Pursue what you're curious about. Pursue what what you just that curious. that desire to really satisfy that curiosity of trying new things and and continuing to learn, peeling back the onion layers of whatever yeah. new pursuit you're in." Um, and that's really awesome that you're getting a chance now at this stage to to work with these people. Um, so what does that look like on a day-to-day basis or week-to-week or month-to-month? Yeah, it's so I don't have um, I don't have something week-to-week. Mm-hmm. It's um, when there is an event, I'm I, I'm there mm-hmm. if I can be, obviously, unless I'm away. But um, I've been to two World Games now. I was just the honorary coach for uh, the team, the winter team in Austria in February. That was really spectacular. Best trip of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, as a non-athlete, of course. Right, right. But it was just so inspiring to see these athletes and the sportsmanship that they showed and, and camaraderie that they had was so yeah. incredibly moving and inspiring. Um, so, and Craig and I were in LA for the summer games a few years, a couple years ago now. And um, obviously national games I'll go to. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of local stuff too that I like to participate in. And, yeah. But again, you know, my kids their activities and, and events come first so of um, I try to have a good balance it's, mm-hmm. for me it's really about finding that balance um, and I like my kids to be involved my son loves coming to these events now and he good. He, he gets it Yeah. because um, we talk a lot about bullying I was bullied as a kid growing up in Red Deer and it was really hard for me I was different being an athlete how how bad is that Like, and now with social media I feel terrible for kids today because um, I was bullied just at a school level and right right within coming. earshot literally That's it. now it's te- now it's on mobile oh. and on, online yeah and it's so cruel and i so what i'm teaching him is that you know there are kids in in, in schools too that have intellectual disabilities or, or, or people know them as learning disabilities and i said don't ever make fun of these kids mm-hmm. they can't help it this is how they're born um, and so he gets that now and he's already had to defend some kids that are made fun of Different. for whatever reason. And I'm proud of that because yeah. I said, you know what, Jesse, whether it's, it might not even need to be an intellectual disability or somebody that has Down syndrome that someone's made fun of. It it could be just like I was made fun of. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's not acceptable. Right. So I'm trying to teach him that, but also showing him the... Um, what the Special Olympic athletes do to everybody. I always tell anyone, come to one event and you'll be hooked for life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important to know that not only is it something that they can't help, but every one of them has something to offer, offer. other people, right? You're and you've got to you've got to look at it in a different light, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's it's just seeing their approach to life in a more simplified way, and you're yep. like, damn, they're happy. Why yep. can't I be that happy? I got to start thinking of all the bullshit. Yep. I've just got to focus on one thing at a time. No, and, that's and enjoy exactly it. it. You can learn so much from these athletes and 
the way they respond, the way they talk, the way they feel, the way they show um, their passion, like everything. And, and that is always what people take out of seeing an event. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, that's a really good point. Yeah. So I want to ask a couple questions just to wrap up here because I've taken far too much of your Sunday afternoon. Um, <laughs> What has been your favorite place to travel to um, while skating or, or even not skating? Um, and also, what place surprised you the most? Oh, come on. You could have given me that question before. I would say my favorite place to travel to would be Japan. Yeah. I like the culture. Mm-hmm. You've the been food. there a few times, right? I've been 13 times. Wow. Okay, more than a few. More Baker's than a dozen. Few. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Baker's dozen. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just love it there. I like um, everything about it. The culture, the food, um, the audiences were always really good. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my favorite place to skate probably mm-hmm. besides Canada because we have the best audiences and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Canadians are very knowledgeable and very passionate about their skaters. Yeah. But Japan was just so beautiful and different, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice culture. But I would say um, something that would be surprising... Did you go to a place where like it was lesser known and you're like, I've, I don't know, and then it just totally shocked you and, and the people were great or the food was fantastic? Anything jump out at you? Nothing's jumping out, but... Where was the most obscure place you ever I think the to? hardest place... I'll talk about a, a challenging place and we never ended up competing because Dave got food poisoning, <laughs> was Russia. Yeah, suspect. We were in suspect. I wonder what happened. I wonder. Yeah. No, seriously, we... Yeah. Have I, you seen Icarus? No. Oh, you got to watch it, Chris. Okay. This, we get there and we're in St. Petersburg, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. Like, yeah. and it's different. Um, everything about it is very different. But it, yeah, I mean, he got food poisoning and we never even ended up competing. The funniest part about that trip was our, our coach used to wear these white, like, socks. And he, he packed a brand new pack from the store and there was six in there. And he, he kept losing them and he'd see the maid wearing these white socks <laughs> after a few days. Like, oh gosh, you know what? You should just give them to her. Yeah. Did he ask her? No. no. He just. I, I, These are nice socks. Yeah. She must have big feet. Well, he was a little guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of or recall a place that was shocking or, or that we weren't. There's been some tour stops that mm-hmm. we thought, what kind of town is this? Yeah. And then we actually, Bakersfield was one. Oh, okay. Um, it's funny that Dylan ended up being there. Or yeah. not Bakersfield, sorry. Um, okay, see? Yes. Oklahoma City, yeah. No. Where else? College. Oh, um, North Dakota. North Dakota. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. What's the town called now? I can't recall. I know. <laughs> this is great. Anyway, that's okay. <laughs> but that was one city where, where Dylan was that mm-hmm. I remember we woke up going, where are we? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we got to the arena. It was this brand new, beautiful arena. We're like, holy, what is this doing here, right? Yeah. There's been some cities like that. Yeah. But uh, no, I can't think of a country that I've been to where I wasn't impressed. Just too many good ones. Too many good ones out there. Then, so other than any skating accomplishments, what are you most proud of? What do you look back in your life and oh, think? Oh, other than skating. Other than skating, yeah. Oh, being a mom for yeah, sure. Your kids. Yeah, and yeah. just because um, I, I just, I just, I'm so in love with being a mom, mm-hmm. and I'm so proud of them for the the kids that they're they're turning into and they're becoming these young little people and they're real now they're, they're not real. just things that yeah. like excrete stuff and they have I, personalities totally and how they're <laughs> reacting to, to, to people and and the, the comments that I get about how polite they are or um, just respectful and, mm-hmm. and that makes me proud but I, mm-hmm. I know even just delivering them how 
proud I was. Yeah, I know. It's- well, I think that proud that that pride in them probably comes back to the ownership of of your accountability to yourself, right? Everything that you see out of them is a reflection of a job well done by you. <laughs> I, I think guess. I think so. That's probably. I don't think I'm a great parent at times, but but thank you. That must be it. Yes. I don't know. Look, Fred, how, look how good of a job I'm doing. My kids turning out perfect. No, no, no. But it's like yeah. when you do a job well done, yes. you're, you're proud of it, right? You're like, yeah, yeah I, I did the best I could. Yeah. And so when you see that out of your kids, I'm sure it's a similar feeling. And he's a goalie, so yeah. when he gets scored on, I had nothing to do with. Him. It's not a parent <laughs> thing. Not my responsibility. No. no. All right, Jamie. Well, I've taken up a lot of your Sunday here, and I see oh, your shirt says, I love Sundays. So yeah, I'm going to let you get back to yours, but uh, thanks so this much. We'll have fun. to do a follow-up. I've got so many other things I wanted to ask you about. We didn't talk about commentating. We didn't talk about oh, We didn't talk about the, the 2018 Korea Olympics. So there's lots of things, but we got time. I would love that. Okay. Thank you. Perfect. See you later. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope that I brought you some joy, entertainment, value, whatever it is. I hope you're getting it. Go follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Soleil or on Instagram, jrsoleil21. See you next week.